swinging free kick and a chance here for Kelly. He scored! David Kelly! Trackman a level against all the odds! Jennings. There's the kick. Scoreboards! This is Buxton, away from Backinson, this is Pringle, now Caprice, Caprice with the cross, the header, it's in, it's Conor Jennings! Okay, welcome to the This Is Tramia podcast. Paul Harper here, got Jake Keogh as well. And um, it's an isolation interview and uh, we're very um, thankful, grateful uh, and appreciate Danny Holmes for giving up his time. Tramia, former Tramia defender, all-round good guy. Danny, how are you, mate? I'm all right, lads. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, given the uh, given the circumstances and stuff. How are you coping with isolation? Yeah, it's well. I'm the type of person where I can't really sit still, so it is quite hard for me. But I've got I've got my own coaching company at the moment, so I've been doing quite a few drills in my back garden. It's been taking a hammer, and so it's been keeping me busy. And I've done the odd run when uh, when I've been able to get out for that hour. So I've been ticking over that way. Is your garden like the Prenton Park pitch at all? I think it's in, even though it's tough at battling, I think it's in better condition. But uh, yeah, the pitch has been terrible this season, hasn't it? But I'd like to see what my garden look, looks like at the end of it. So, so what you've just been doing, sort of um, drills over videos for your for your students? Yeah, basically, you've just been putting a drill up each day from Monday to Friday on Instagram. So, um, the 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 players that I work with are mainly mainly kids at the moment, so it's from like under fives up to under twelve. So um, yeah, we've been doing a few drills for them to keep busy in their back gardens, and and the feedback's been great. So yeah, it's been it's been really good for me to do that because otherwise I would have been most probably watching Netflix like everyone else and doing <laughs> stuff like that. So at least I've been doing something football related. Yeah, good for them as well to uh, to keep active. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's uh, let's crack on with the uh, with the interview. And um, you're obviously a massive Tranmere fan and have been since you were since you were a kid. Yeah. When 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 did you first get the bug? Uh, basically, my two brothers came through a Tranmere, so it starts at, at quite a young age because the the age difference between me and me two brothers is like ten to eleven years. So when they like becoming becoming YTs and getting their first pro deals, I was basically going to watch the games and then after watching their games I'll go and watch the Trammy game because they used to obviously get free tickets so that that's where it started really and a couple of my family members are, are stewards there as well so th- there is quite a few Trammy fans in the family so it starts at a young age really. 
So, do you remember your first game? You know what? I don't. I, I, the, the only thing I do remember from it was, uh, I, I don't know why this sticks in my mind, but David Chandler was going to launch a long throw in. And uh, one of the opposition players pulled his ears out, saying he had big ears and like puffed his face up. And where we sat in the stand was Graham Branch, and I think it was Danny Coyne at the time. And I just remember them bursting out laughing and obviously being a kid because they started laughing. You just tend to copy, don't you? So, so I started laughing then. But that, that's my first memory from from my first Charlie game. So I can't remember who the other day. Have you ever had the chance to meet Dave Chalner, Dan? Surely you have somewhere down the line. Well, I played for him for a short, short while. I filed. Then I end up going to filed on a non-contract basis. After Have you ever I told him about this memory? Uh, no, we haven't. No, because <laughs> when, you, when you're playing and stuff like that, he, he was then my manager, so he, you sort of mm. have a bit of a different re- relationship with people that way. But um, no, we never, never mentioned it. And uh, to be honest, because I, I, I came, I first started playing football as shafts, and we used to be ball boys for the games as well. So um, I used to obviously clean a lot of his balls before throwing them, throwing them in, but. <laughs> I regret doing that now after what happened with me at Fylde. So, no, it was, um, it was one of them. I didn't, I'd never, never mentioned it to him now. <laughs> so, sort of, talk us a little bit about your um, your career growing, uh, growing up. So, it's joining the kind of the youth ranks and stuff. When, yep. when did you start sort of playing football seriously and, and breaking into the into the kind of youth system at Rovers, Stan? Yeah, well, obviously I started really young because obviously my two brothers played, so I was always out in the back garden or on the on the front with them. So um, just I for football around. Just for anyone who doesn't know, Danny, just give us a a name check on your on your two brothers. Uh, Tommy and Jamie Holmes. So uh, Tom, Tommy ended up carrying on playing football. He played for TNS. He played a lot of games in Europe and. Oh, James. Bit of a legend, isn't he, in the uh, the Welsh leagues? What's that? Sorry. Bit of a legend in the Welsh leagues. Yeah, he is, to be fair, yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a character like that. <laughs> so, um, I think many people will know him from going out at a weekend. He loves going out on the weekend, like so. Uh, he's got a, he's got a family now, so he doesn't go out as much. But yeah, he's a bit of a uh, character on the uh, Welsh Premier scene, and I think he's like the record European. Appearance holder as well in the Welsh League, yeah, which believe, so, yeah. uh, tell you about, and he, he's got he's got a little joke that he does as well because he, he played against Liverpool in the Champions League. You know, after they won the Champions League, so yeah, yeah. They, they draw them in the um, qualifier because Liverpool finished fifth, I think, in the Premier League. So because they won, they got the chance to get back in. And there's a photo of him with Steven Gerrard, and he always says that his phone's frozen, and he he, he tends to turn around and show you the photo, like so. Yeah, he's uh, he's got he's had some good memories. Good stuff. So what? So um, what age were you when you sort of uh, got scouted for for Tramier and joining the youth the youth setup there? Uh, when I first joined Tramier when I was seven, so uh, Glenn Salmon um, took me into Tramier at that point. So when when you're like seven up to ten, you could play for Tramier, and then you could also play for your Sunday league team. So that's what I've done up until the age of 10 basically and then once once I reached that age it was just all Tramia then all the way through up to YT and then obviously getting a pro there 
Who's it, who's coming through with you at the in your, your kind of age age group? Uh, I, near at the end, it was mainly uh, the likes of Aaron Creswell, Craig Curran, Terry Gornell. Uh, they're the only ones really that that came Neither. through and made made the career of it. Not a bad little side though. No, we had um, we had a great youth team. To be fair, we uh, we were top of the league going into the last game of the season, and um, all we had to do was get a point. And we we were playing uh, Carlisle at the time. We had uh, Gary Medine, you know the striker. He's been yeah. around quite a bit, and. Um, Ryan Fraun, who was obviously, I think he was an under-16 at the time, he came on near the end, we were cruising, I think it was nil-nil, but we, we were dominating the game, it was, it was quite a comfortable game, and I think because he was an under-16 playing in the youth team, he flew into a tackle in, in, in the box, giving a penalty away, and we got beat 1-0, so his cousin <laughs> also played in the team, and he absolutely bashed him after the game, Mike, but uh, yeah, that, that was a, it was a bad memory, to be honest with you. At that level, um, when you were youth players, where you yeah. were saying like you were in the same youth team as Aaron Cresswell, yeah. Obviously, how good? Obviously, seeing where he's got to now, yeah. how good was he in comparison to like the rest of the team? Would you say he's come on? Obviously, he he was like a late developer, and he's obviously come on to the level he's at now. Or yeah. when you were like sixteen, was he that good? You you obviously tell he had something about him, but for him to have the career that he has done. I think he may probably tell you himself that he, you'd be quite surprised by where he's got. But he, he's always had a fantastic attitude and he's, he's got a special left foot, to be fair. He's got a wonderful left foot and he's a great lad as well. He's proper down to earth and someone that deserves to have a career that he has had. But that youth team was very, very talented. Even if you speak to Sean Garner about it, he'll most probably fill you in on how good of a team we did have. So, um for any one individual to probably kick on, there was a ha- like a high chance of that happening because we had such a good team. And fortunately for Carreza, he was the one who who really kicked on and uh, made it to the prem. But obviously, there was a few of us who still had half decent careers, which is yeah, yeah, obviously the way it works out. So then breaking into the professional ranks, so. How's it all work when you so you've done your two years YT? Yeah. Um, well, you get the call yeah. and uh, tell us a bit about how you sort of t- turned from a YT into a professional at the club. Yeah, well, it's, I I was around the first team quite a lot from the age of even fourteen. Like on on school holidays with Brian Little, I I, I love Brian Little. Like to be fair, he used to bring me in on school holidays to train with the first team when I was like 14, 15. So obviously when he left, it was a big, well, it was a big change for me massively because Ronnie Moore came in at that point and and put me back with the youth team, so to speak. So uh, yeah, when uh, when I obviously got me YT and I, 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 was, I was obviously really confident where I, what, what I'd done at Tramia to get a pro. So the way it works is you, we literally all stuck in the old gym in the car and you just pull you one like one-to-one, like shout your name and you walk down to the manager's office and then that's that's how he got told, basically. So I was the last one, obviously, to go in. So by that point, I was, obviously, my mind was all over the place. Yeah. But um, everyone else got told no. So at that point, I thought, surely someone's going to get one and it's going to be me because, obviously, with Ronnie coming in, everything changed. So it was still, like, 
50-50 for me to get one in a way because I didn't know what he was actually thinking. So for me to get one was obviously a big, massive buzz for me being a Tramie fan. And from there, I, I, I looked to kick on from there. But with with Ronnie there, it didn't sort of work out because I, I, when I did play, I only played one game against Yeovil and I got man in the match and did, did brilliant on the day. So it was a bit of a tough pill to swallow when I eventually got, got let go by him. Football, yeah, so, um, go, on. go on, Jake. Sorry, it's tough, isn't it? It's like a game of opinions. People always say, yeah. and obviously yourselves there, like being in a club when a new manager comes in. Obviously, you you'll have experienced it loads. That was obviously your first experience yeah. of it. That must be like a big worry for players, especially like young players with a new manager coming through the door, because it's like, as you say, Brian Little really took to, and then Ronnie Moore. Yeah. Almost said not to your back five yards. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, especially with Brian Little. I, I, I'm a hundred percent certain I would have made me debut when I was like 15, 16. So from that point, even if you make one appearance at that age, I could have potentially. I don't. You, you don't know where they could have took you because you're such a young player making a first team appearance at a top club. You, you're gonna get interest in you. That's just the way it is. But I, I then got knocked back three years basically. Because when Ronnie came in, I, I basically went back to being a youth team player, which I didn't talk about. I got on with and I, I, I worked really hard and obviously earned me pro deal. But you, you never know where your path can take you if if that would have happened. But it is what it is. I, I, t- I take it on the chin and, you know, I've learned from it. And hopefully I can take that take that forward now into hopefully when I start being a coach and a manager in the, in the first team environment. So... It's one of them I've, I've learned from it now, so um, I never yeah, look back. I tend to look forward from it. You were the, you were the kind of so you in in the kind of professional ranks. You were, you were the characters in that in that dressing room in the the the, the early days. Well, when I was a YT, you had people like Jason McAteer, who who was always vocal, and Kev Ellison for a short space of time. Chris Shuker, Chris Shuker was a, a very big character. Uh, obviously, Goody was everyone loved Goody, even though he was quiet. But he was always great with you and stuff like that. John Achterberg. So there was some some quite big plays to be fair. And it was like the likes of Gareth Taylor came in, Paul McLaren, who were great with you. So um, yeah, there's some really top. Chris Greenacre as well. Chris Greenacre was absolutely brilliant, even as a YT. I got injured. I mean, and we're injured at the same time. And he used to come to my house, pick me up, take me in. He used to get me breakfast, give me free boots and everything. So, Chris, Chris Greenacre was a top, top man and top pro, to be fair. You kind of um, learn off the, the, the senior pros when you're sort of just coming through the, coming through the ranks. You kind of, did they sort of help you along and sort of give you advice as you were, as you were moving your way up? Yeah, definitely, especially because I was training with them a, a lot of the time. People like Gareth Roberts, who you support you, you know, obviously teach how to defend 1v1 because that was one of your main jobs as a fullback. So he, he was great with it. Obviously, the way they all conducted themselves off the pitch, they always used to be in the gym, how they used to eat. Even the way they used to treat people, you you, you, you learn a lot of things because as a young pro coming through or young YT, you, you, do, you do tend to get battered quite a lot by the pros, which in a way is good because... You know, do you want to keep you down to earth and keep you on your on your feet? But uh, so it's it's a way about going about it. And somewhere could be horrible, 
they weren't with me to be fair, they'll grade me because I think because I was with them quite a bit. But with some other the lads, you know, the the boots weren't immaculate, clean, stuff like that. I used to get battered like, but overall the the pros were fantastic with me and I couldn't have a bad way to say about them, to be honest with you. So in that in that first spell with with Ronnie Moore, yep. when you you sort of professional, you make your debut, you do really well. Yeah. Away at Yeovil, and then and then nothing after that. What? How, how are you kind of? What? How are you feeling at that point? Sort of having done so well on your debut, and then sort of being cast aside again. Well, I was obviously really, really disappointed and sad about it because I thought that was. Obviously, me break that I needed, and obviously putting in like a man of man of the match performance. I thought the way I see football, if you if you come in, you earn you earn it, you spot. I performed really well. I I expected to play the next game because that's just my mentality. If I if I played well one game, I deserve to play the next one. But obviously, football doesn't work like that, and opinions of people doesn't work like that. So, I. I t- Again, I had to take on the chin and just train really hard, hoping for another chance. But with Ronnie there at that point, it, it didn't come. So it, it was one of them. I just had to uh, get on with it. So you then moved to TNS, a couple yeah. of years at TNS. And then um, you get the call saying, Tranmere want to want to bring you back. And yeah. Les, Les, Les Parry's manager at this time, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. So... You get the call, you think, um, working under Les Parry, you've obviously seen him as a physio in the past. Mm, yeah. How, how how did you kind of find the transition of Les the physio and Les the manager? Well, t- even when Les was a physio, Les is, was obviously a massive character around the club. There was, there was no denying that. And it's, even as a physio, I think he had quite a lot of power as well with how players obviously coming back from injury and stuff like that and I, I think it's transition into management I think people give him a bit of stick to be honest and I thought he was a, a really good manager because he knew what he was good at which was motivating people and he left the coaching side of it so like John McMahon and Kevin Summerfield who who did the main tactics and stuff like that on the game on the training pitch so he knew what he was he was good at and he left, he left the experts to do what they were good at so for me, that's 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 a good um, good thing as a manager to do. So I, I honestly think the stick that he got was very very unfair, and the budget that he had as well. I think he done remarkably well. Like so, I, for him to obviously take me take me back to Tramune as well, I obviously hold him in high esteem, and I had a great re- relationship with him coming through as well. So he's the top man, Les, and um, I've got a lot of time for him. We obviously know all about the hideous pre-season stuff yeah. that Les used to put you all through. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> Any stories about um, you know people throwing up and stuff? Yeah. Have you got Have you got any stories that you care to share? <laughs> um, I haven't got any personal ones because even though they, they were honestly, it was the worst pre-season ever literally the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life but I was never ever I, I don't tend to be sick after exercise so I'm quite lucky in that aspect but there was a lot of people where they literally hands on knees spewing up all the time and it was quite a common thing to be honest during our pre-season so I think going into the season you did start it like a house on fire you were so fit but I think 
looking at it now in hindsight, that needed need the end of the season, that that pre-season did take a toll on the on the players and the teams that were doing it at the times, whatever times they were. So I think, obviously, it was good mentally to get through it as well because you think, if we can get through that pre-season, I can get through anything, basically, physically during the season. So they were, they were disgusting, honestly, the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. You know when there's like five lads, hands on knees, thrown up? Yeah. How does Les then react? Was he a bit easy on you? No, he's like, just laughing. No, he's, crap on, crap honestly, on, on. yeah, you literally, you wouldn't budge from anything. You'd actually, most probably, knowing Les as a, as a fella, you, you'd just laugh at that. You would literally laugh at it and you'd just crack on and do whatever was planned next. Because obviously I was there for a good few years. The pre-season, you knew exactly what you want to do each day because they were exactly the same. So he didn't, he didn't let up on you whatsoever. So you did the same thing every year for as long as Les was there, basically as a physio and manager. So you knew full well what was coming. Yeah, the you week knew, before listen, pre-season, you knew what your first day was. Yeah, that's how. Like honestly, when you're in, when you're off after the season, when you're at Tramia. Once they got close to the time that you were going into pre-season, like, you usually chomping at the bit, but you're like, you knew what was coming. So, literally, every day, morning and afternoon, you knew what you were doing, basically, before you even went back, which is, <laughs> honestly, it was horrible. It was proper horrible. And it's it's sending shivers down my spine now, thinking about it. <laughs> but all the, all the players that, obviously, you played with at Tramier over the years, Whenever you see them again, that's honestly one of the topics that you will talk about. It's it's a massive talking point, like from your time at Tramia. It's like it's like infamous, not even amongst like people. Yeah, it's well like, known among players that haven't played for Tramia. Always talk about these Les Parry sort of pre seasons. Yeah, weird. I know. Yeah, let's see, it honestly, gets around. Everyone knows about it. Yeah, like, my whole my whole time sporting Tramia, I've never really like you don't you don't hear about any club specific pre season, you don't yeah. ever hear about any managers pre season before or after Les Parry. Yeah. But everyone who knows anything about Tramia knows about Les Parry's pre seasons. So I think yeah. it says a lot about how tough they were. Yeah, dude, honestly, like like you said there as well, that people that never even you play for clubs down south and you still know about it. It's just one of them. It's, it's it is a massive talking talking points from from a tram point of view and every, everyone knew about it because they were that hard. Honestly, the fact that I've got through about eight of them, I'm actually quite proud to say I've got through eight pre seasons of less. <laughs> they were that bad. Honestly, they were disgusting. I think I think that give, gives you uh, gives you a medal that earns you a medal, surely. Oh, definitely. Well, I could get a testimonial pre-seasons, couldn't I? That's the thing <laughs> so, um, so you come back to uh, to Tranmere 2011, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it takes a little bit of time for you to uh, to break into the into the team. Yeah. How how sort of are you feeling those sort of first two three months? You've done your you've done your hard slog in pre-season. You're yeah. Not, getting picked and stuff, just kind of head down and, and cracking on and trying to impress, I guess. Yeah, I think at TNS, we, we were a very attacking team. So even when we played in Europe, we, we were always attacking. So 
the transition from where Tramia were to what I was used to at TNS, it probably took me a while to get used to, to be honest with you. And during pre-season as well, I had I had a problem with my hamstring prior to joining Tramia. Not nothing major. It was like I've got flat feet basically, and I had these special orthotic insoles I had to put in, and because obviously they were brand new. Jordan pre-season, Jordan one of Les's runs in Barnes and Dale, like up the Mud Hills and stuff like that. Because I had these new insoles in, I got a massive blister on the bottom of my foot, which literally took half the skin off my foot at Ugh. the bottom of it. So obviously, I, I, even with Les now, I still had to do the pre-season. So I, I couldn't wear these insoles. Obviously, I, was, I wasn't running properly because I had this big, massive... Well, half the skin off my foot to the bottom of my foot took off. So I think it took time for that to heal and, you know, all of it, other things. So it did take me quite a while to get um, get back into it. So once it once I did get get my first game, I was determined then to stay in and I was lucky to do that. Yeah. And then and then you kind of uh, you get into the team and, and kind of cement your place a little bit and so you must be must be buzzing at that, that kind of stage. Yeah, it was, yeah, because um, I think my first game was against Ferry. We won 2-0, I think it was, at Pretton Park. And um, it, it, it was funny because before that, I was meant to make my debut. I think it was against Rochdale at Tramia. And I got called off because some of the roof got blew off by the wind. So oh, Boxing like, Day, weren't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So I, I remember like, that. I was literally thinking to myself, it's never going to happen for me. I thought... <laughs> I forgot who the right... I think it was David Raven at the time, and he got injured, and that was my chance, basically, to get in the team. And I just thought, this... It's just never going to happen for me at Tramia. I thought, he's going to be back from injury, and that's it. He's going he's gonna to play again. But to be fair to Les, he's, he stuck me in the next the next game against Berry, and as they say, the rest is his history then. So um, I managed to stay in and... Who and obviously kick on from there, and he ended up getting young player of the season as well, which was obviously a massive thing for me as well, which was great. And the fans were fantastic with me, obviously. So, um, yeah, it ended up being a, a good season in the end. So, being a being a Tramir fan out on the pitch in the first team, yeah, um, must be sort of. And we were we're both Tramir fans. It must yeah. be an, an amazing feeling, just sort of. Being the the kind of the supporter on the pitch, yeah. Well, every time I used to walk out and like see the fans clapping, even though like there's obviously Liverpool and Everton on our doorstep, and they get forty thousand whatever fans. Even coming out to Tramia, if there was five thousand, the buzz that I used to get from coming out was unbelievable. So, yeah, I I, I was aware of that as well. Being like being a local lad on the pitch because. To be to be fair, the fans were fantastic with me. I think one of the reasons is because I'm I'm a local lad as well. But they, they knew exactly what what they were going to get with me as well. So um, yeah, I used to I used to love playing at Pretton Park, even in the bad time, uh, the bad times as well. Going out to Pretton Park and playing was always a special moment. Like, did you feel any more pressure? Obviously, you had probably loads of friends and family and people who knew you. you going the games and stuff did you yeah. i know a, a lot of fans kind of support local players that are coming coming through the ranks at like one of their own sort of thing but did yeah. you feel a bit more pressure having all that kind of expectation and all your friends and family watching and stuff 
Um, not really pressure, but you'd you'd most probably take a bad result to heart a little bit more because obviously I was a fan as well. So when every yeah. time you got beat, I wasn't happy. So it's one of them. But now nah, I used to, to be honest, I used to relish it. Really, I'm not the type of character to overthink. I'm quite a positive person anyway. So I used to see a massive a massive positive to being at home and playing at Pretton Park and being in front of my family and and a lot of friends that are Tramway fans. So. Yeah, it was it was always a special time to do that. So that that first season that you're, that you're back, obviously Les Parry starts as as manager. Yeah. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a tough season. It kind of goes a bit a bit downhill and stuff. And Les loses yeah. his job. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking when Ronnie Moore is appointed <laughs> as the new manager? Well, I I remember I was staying at me. She's my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time. And um, I, I, we, we were in bed and uh, the news came through. Daddy just become manager. It was like neat. It was like nine o'clock or something like that. And I was like, Jade, you're not going to believe this. What's just happened here? Ronnie's got the job again. So obviously going into training the next day, I was like, oh, what's go-? you just don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? But to be fair to Ronnie, when, the second time he came back, at the start, he was... He was brilliant with me. I could, he was playing me, even though he, he wasn't really... He didn't pull me into his office to talk to me or anything like that, but I didn't need that. I just needed to know I was playing the game and I'd be happy. I'd be a happy player to uh, to manage, basically. So I couldn't really fault him on that aspect because he ended up giving me a two-year contract as well, which I found a bit strange after all we'd been through earlier on in my career. So, um, yeah, and at first I was obviously worried about it, but... Then I ended up playing every game really, so it, it, it weren't too bad during that, that season. But um, after the seasons to follow, I just felt like he was getting loads of players, right backs especially, in on loan. And they, they always, I don't know whether this is fatal or whatever, but they always used to get injured, so I always used to still play. But um, it's just it's just one of them with him. I just never felt like he, I had 100% faith in me. From him at that time, but because mm. if you if you ask all players that I did I played with, they'll tell you I'll most probably be the toughest toughest defender they come up against. So because I, I I remember every game I used to play, the winger I used to play with used to get subbed subbed off all the time because I, I think he used to do a decent job on them. And I I I, I always think to this day as well, most probably rabbit and on here, but people don't give the credit that. I most probably deserve as a player as well. They most probably they just say like he gives a hundred percent, blah blah blah. But I think overall as a player as well, I I offer quite a lot for Tramia because in the um, first season at Tramia, I think I ended up getting fourteen assists from right back. So it's it's quite a good uh, stats to as a full back, especially getting getting assists. So I think overall it's. It's one of them. I don't think I get the credits I do deserve as a player as well. Do you know what? I was going to actually say that before, but I didn't know whether to mention it. With because I was about to say, obviously, like I really rate you as a player, but with the negativity around the club around the time you were there, yeah, it's probably not looked back on by fans the way it could have been. It like if, yeah, say that season where we we were flying at the top of the league early yeah. goals. If that goes better than it obviously ended up, then maybe things are different. And the likes of yourselves and the other lads in the squad 
yeah, yeah. spoke about in a different light. Not that you spoke about in a negative way, but yeah. more positivity towards towards course, yourself, yeah. more, more credit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like you said, when we were top of the league for seven months, we we were the best team in the league. There's no doubt about that. And I obviously, for me personally, I thought I was the best right back in the league, which. I, sh- I should be thinking because I'm in the best team and I was performing every single week for that team. So for for us to obviously go from being top of the league, just missing out, it was it was absolute shambles that we missed out on the playoffs. But we did because of injuries and other things. But um, after that, the amount of players that I played with was an absolute disgrace. Like I played with like over 100 players in two seasons. So for me to build up any relationship with them is pretty hard because it's swapping all the time but I think even during those dark times that, that I did have at Tramia with with us obviously getting relegated and stuff like that I it look, I, I always look at my performance after the game and I knew, even especially that season league too, my performances were, I thought were a very high standard people obviously won't say that because the team wasn't performing but I, I knew individually I was I was there and delivering for the team, but the whole team as a whole wasn't. But that's just that's just the way football goes, and that's the brush you get you get tarnished with if if your team's struggling. Yeah, definitely. That that season, going back to the League One one, I always I, I think I've said on here a few times. You always look back at that one on how things could have been different. I remember yeah. um, John Louis and Andy Robbo got injured same time James Wallace got injured. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jake Cassidy went back to Wolves. And yeah. this all happened in like a four to six week period, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, did, yeah. You, like, obviously, being part of the squad, you, you obviously see it more than us. Would you say, like, they were, if them injuries don't happen and if Jake stays at the club, things obviously are a hundred times better than what they could have been? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think. I think if they didn't get injured, and it was also Liam Palmer who was having a great season with us, centre mid with James Wallace, and he ended up going back, I think, to Sheffield Wednesday for a short while before then coming back to us. But um, yeah, if you, you knew because the starting team during that season, it was the same team every single week. So I, I think with Trammy's budget, you knew the the backup, so to speak. Which it might sound a little bit harsh, but so for someone to replace our captain, who was James Wallace at the time, was massive shoes to fill. So at that point, the people that were coming in from those plays obviously weren't as good as them. So that's just the way football go, goes, doesn't it? The the better players that you have, the more success you do tend to have. So. Losing those big players, I think, was obviously a massive, massive factor in that. And if they, if they obviously were to go back to their loan club, so to speak, like Jay Casting and Liam Palmer, you should, you should have a plan in place to get players in to get you over the line. And I don't think, I don't think we had that. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of just James Wallace, I think you'll like me bringing this one up. The yeah. best game I can think of with James Wallace, and I, I like. The few times he's tried to come back to the club or has come back and it hasn't quite worked out. Yeah. I always think of his performance when we beat Yeovil 3 2 at home, yeah, going yeah. in 2 0 down. Yeah. And he was absolutely incredible. And um, yeah. I can't remember who scored on that day, but I, I think <laughs> someone got a winner, but I can't think of who yeah. it was. Smith the main man, me, really. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might like that one coming back yeah. up. What's that feeling like being a Trammy fan? And obviously, 
in, in times like that, obviously, we, we were down in the game. We've dragged yeah. it back. And then a Tramia fan, a defender, you, you don't score many goals. Yeah. And then, obviously, that pops up. That That's one off the training ground. When it's when you've pulled it off, like that feeling to to run away celebrating, yeah, being a Tramia fan must just be second to none. Yeah, it was unbelievable to be fair. I think at that time, even if we were a goal or two down, I think we were two 0 down in that game. We we yeah. knew we still had the quality to come back, and even at half time, I, I can't. I think Wallace got one actually just before half time with his header. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you, at that point, you just you just knew we were going to come out second half and batter them, which we did. And even for my goal, we we tended to play with a bit of a freedom. We had the structure, obviously, with the formation. But if you seen an opportunity, you you tended to go for it because we were playing such good football at the time. And I I always obviously used to stay back on corners because one of my main strengths is obviously one v one defending. You know, in case of a counter attack and stuff like that. But I think it was Adam McGurk on the corner. I'd just seen a massive gap on the fork. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going I'm to at least get a shot off. So, uh, obviously, yeah. came to me. I think my first connection of my first shot wasn't the best, but I think, obviously, fate uh, played into my hands and it hit me and felt, obviously, nice for this, the second connection, which I passed into the bottom corner. But So, obviously, once that went in, making it 3-2 late in the game, it was, it was ecstasy then because I think we had, like, Nine to ten thousand fans in the ground as well, because obviously we were top of the league. So I think you could tell by my celebration. I didn't. I didn't know what to do. I was running everywhere, but I ended up jumping in with the fans, which was obviously a great feeling. And after the game as well, it was it was it was a really good feeling for me as well because I knew we won the game. Nice, I, I scored the winner, so it was brilliant. <laughs> Talk us through some of the uh, the personalities in that in that squad, Danny. Because you've got yeah. some big characters in there. You got likes of Robbo and um, obviously Goody's still there. People like yourselves, Fonners, yeah. uh, Ben Gibson come on on there, and he seemed to be a big character. To talk us yeah. through some of those sort of personalities and how it all blended together as a team, and why it why it sort of worked and clicked that well for that sort of six months. I think looking at it now, I think we were all just normal lads who were obviously half decent at footy. But we're all really down to earth and like like the same. Like we're all very similar. We're all quite vocal in a in a sense where we all like to have a laugh and stuff like that. But away from football as well, we used to do quite a lot of things together as a team. So like we'll go for meals and because we all like doing the same thing. So it was just a natural thing for us to do. So we were really tight tight knit unit and really together. So obviously when that tight tight-knit unit sort of disbands a little bit because people get injured and stuff like that it was quite hard but overall like even after every game we used to like sing on the coach and you know the, the journey used to fly by even though it was like a five-hour journey because we used to get on so well together so I think overall the main thing was we were a proper team and we were proper mates because we were all very similar and we all like the same things so we just transferred onto the pitch you talk about the sing songs on the bus, and yeah. I think a lot of fans remember. I think it was probably Robbo who um, who put a video of you all singing "Forever in yeah. Blue Jeans" on the way home. Yeah, <laughs> that happened sort of on a regular basis. Yeah, that 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 honestly from the first game, first away game of the season, even in the gym after training, we used to we used to put all these songs on, 
So for us, that was just a normal thing to do. So I think Robbo put that video on, it was later into the season. And yeah, some yeah. people tend to talk about, since we started singing Forever in Blue Jeans, that was the downfall of our season. But the whole to everyone else, we were doing that from pre-season. So, it, you know, it was no different to us. We used to, after, honestly, after training, we all used to go in the gym, put, blast the music out and all start singing all these old old classics. Like, And it's just it's just one of them. We took it all the way through, through the season with us. I think it was when the club started playing it on the Tannoy. That's when yeah. it went downhill. Yeah, I think, well, to be honest, though, <laughs> I, I can understand the fans being a, a little bit annoyed by that, but that was our song from pre-season. So for us, it, I, I thought it was, in a way, I can see what they were trying to do is sort of like motivate us because that was our song, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I, I haven't got a problem with how the club dealt with it, putting it on the town and stuff like that, but... I, obviously, people are gonna have an opinion on it and, and be negative about it. But like I said, we had that all the way through the season, so it was no different to us. Yeah, I don't think it really makes any any kind of difference. But um, like the, the the lyrics in that song, and obviously you a group of lads who all kind of pulled together, tighten it as you said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it was an appropriate song to kind of adopt, wasn't it? And like, <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was kind of was, it was against like... them. You know, yeah. teams with much bigger budgets, but you could compete and be the best. Yeah, because we're all, like I said, we're all really down to earth, even scruffy lads. In a way, we're all like off council <laughs> estates and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So even that, I think that song, we, we all grew up with that type of song, listening to it with our families and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was, we all, like I said, we all got on really well. And looking back now, it was mostly my favourite team to play in off the pitch and on it as well because we, we got on so well and we played so well together Yeah, Robbo seems to be a massive character obviously yeah. on, the, on the pitch and off the pitch I'm guessing he's the kind of ringmaster in the dressing room uh, Well obviously he's very very loud and very vocal but <laughs> that, 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 that team at the time we were all honestly we are all very very similar we are all the same so it was, it was if you walk down the corridor in the cop where we used to get changed and the gym and stuff like that, it honestly was just so loud all the time. And then from going going from that to the two seasons after it where no one really knew each other, it was like I was like, What the hell's going on here? Like I used to go out with you know, after the game we'd go out go out together and go for a meal or whatever. And then from going from that just to going home after training it was obviously like bloody hell. You knew it wasn't the same anyway, but because I'm talking about it now, it's just obviously taking me back to that that time and thinking about it. But um, yeah, it, we it, it, honestly it was one of the the best times of my life with that team at that point with us being top of the league. Can I talk about Robbo the footballer? Because I know yeah. that um, he's been on social media the last couple of days, seeing he's, yeah. he's struggling a bit. Obviously, we're yeah. all going through isolation and stuff. Yeah, what what a player. Is he one of the most skilled players you've, you've played with? Yeah, he's un- he's unbelievable. Even he he lo- he loves football. Like even though he comes across like a little scally from Rock Ferry, he absolutely he, he, he his game intelligence on football is unbelievable. So like even during a game, like he'll get the ball and he'll like point point to where to run, and then I'd make an overlap run and he'd put it right in front of you. So 
little things like that. He, he's obviously a massive character and a, a big leader in our team. And I'm, I'm quite surprised he hasn't got involved in football in the coaching aspect because, honestly, the way he talks about football is second to none. And as, as a player himself, he's obviously of the highest quality. And the, he, he's one of them. You think, how the hell has he not played at least for a Prem team for a few games at least? He's, he was that good, like is the quality that he had. Yeah. And with with someone obviously with his qualities, it, I, I haven't really thought about it like that before. It is quite shocking that he hasn't gone into sort of coaching because his whole yeah. sort of career, maybe when athleticism weighing on his side, yeah, his brain got him through it. Yeah, and just his sheer like football knowledge got him through it on how how to play the game and obviously his, his unbelievable ability. Yeah. So when you think of it like that. And you've sort of based your career around knowing where to move and where to and how to play. Yeah, you'd think for someone like Robbo to move into coaching would probably be less difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're definitely right with what you're saying, but you just don't know what what may be going on for him personally. He might have to do with yeah, things to obviously, you know what I mean. But for for him to not get into football eventually, I think would be a massive waste because if if I was to hopefully go where I want to go with my coaching side of things, I would definitely get him involved because not only has he got a lot of experience, game intelligence, stuff like that, he's also a fantastic fantastic person to have. So for me, at the moment, he's a football, like talking about football, he, he's, a, he's a bit of a waste because he should, he should be involved in football in some capacity. Yeah, much love to Robbo and if, he's, if he is listening. Uh, yeah, he's a top man, isn't it? Obvious. Yeah, I gave him a little text yesterday, so I said I'm good. always there for him, like, so yeah, knows where one. I am if he needs me. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Right, um, I don't know whether to bring the, bring the mood down a little bit. So we, we've we've done the kind of six months where it's so good, and then the yeah. following season, um, it's not quite as good as it. <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's horrible. Um, What's going on in the dressing room when you hear about Ronnie Moore being sort of um, alleged to have been breaching these betting regulations? What What's the kind of mood like in the dressing room at that point? Um, well, I don't think it really affected much on the way we performed, but it was definitely a talking subject because some of the rumours that were going around at that time was that he betted against us and stuff like that, so... I, obviously, I don't know the full ins and outs on what he actually done. Only he would know that. But the only thing I would say about it is that it was just a bit of a talking topic in the change room. But uh, in no way, I, I don't think that it should affect your performance on the pitch. I think Ronnie's done an interview um, in the past saying it was um, he'd actually bet, he'd, well, he'd put a bet on for his uh, nephew or something. Yeah. Um, like a one pound accumulator on Man United, Tranmere to win, yeah, and some other team, and he won like six pound twenty or something. Yeah, that, and that's that's kind of what um, caught the authorities' kind of attention. I mean, he's yeah. been putting on little bets and stuff for for other people as well, which yeah. I guess we're breaching the rules. But um, I can I kind of guess that's that by the by. So obviously, um, the club um, deal with it. Um, by letting him go, yeah. so there must yeah. be a lot of uncertainty in in the dressing room at that point, and not knowing sort of which direction it is going to go. And obviously, John McMahon sort of takes over as caretaker, but you don't really, 
you don't really know what's what's going on, do you? No, you don't. Not not as a club going forward, because obviously you do need the margin in place as soon as possible, really. So obviously the predicament that we were in at that time, it wasn't obviously it was something that was just adding fuel to the fire, really, which was obviously a negative thing. So um, yeah, it was, it was it was one of them. As as players, though, like I'll always say this as an individual player. You should you should not let anything else affect your performance, and if you do do that, then you shouldn't really be playing football because at the end of the day, if every player goes on the pitch, gives everything they've got, gives obviously performs to the best of their abilities, then everything else looks after itself, whether that be the results or whatever. So if if you're let you, you're going to use that as an excuse to not perform, then it's it's a bit sad, really, and a bit stupid of you as a as a player. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I've always, I sort of try and live with a sort of attitude. I always say to the lads, like, you can control, you can only control the controllables at the end exactly. of the day. You can only control what you can control. There's no point worrying about what someone else is doing and what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And you think in hindsight that maybe a few of the other lads in the squad did get a bit too caught up in other things that were going on at the club or the predicament the club was in rather than their individual games and how yeah. they can they can make sure they're right for the game. Yeah, I think that that definitely was the case, and I think it's just human human nature these days as well. People just look for an easy way out, and they love to come up with all these excuses. So, I think I think obviously at that time, going from the characters that we had in the in the changing room from from that to then go to people that. Didn't really want to. In the end, with Tramia at that at that bad time, people were just coming to get a wage. There was no doubt about it. The amount of players that came in on loan, they didn't have any affiliation. I know you don't need to have an affiliation with a club to give your all, but they did. They didn't have Tramia's best best interests at heart. Where there was only like maybe four of us that did. So obviously, with it being a negative, we were the ones who took the brunt of that on. Which was obviously not a nice thing at the time, but I, I I know I can look back and say I I gave it literally blood sweat tears for the cause. So it's it's one of them. I think the club obviously dealt with things terribly terribly wrong as well. So um, I don't think it was just those players who were to blame at that point. But at the end yeah, of the that, day, that's that's life, isn't it? That's something I was meaning to ask. Obviously, where you say like there was maybe four years. Obviously, yeah. go, going from that close-knit squad to then where you say over two seasons, you've probably played 100 players. Yeah. That must have a big toll on, like, yourself and, say, the other lads who you were saying were being affected because the lads who are coming in, not only are you saying they're just coming to get a wage, but they're, they're off again in a month and then there's a new, there's a, another batch of five yeah. lads coming in who, again, don't really care. And through the whole process, there's, like, yourself... Um, and uh, say whoever it was, I know Max Power was there. Yeah, yeah. He was really affected. Like for, for you lads, how does that affect you after it's all done? Like I'm guessing the summer after that, and maybe going into the next season, is that still like a big, like weight on? Did, did that still feel like a weight on you know, over the summer and going into the next season of what had gone on over the last two years? Yeah, it, it was. It was a ma- massive weight on me because obviously. All, all my life, I, I wanted to play for Tramia, and obviously Tramia were suffering at the time, so I, I carried that into most probably everyday life. 
So even at home, I used to be I'm miserably a nightmare to live with. So in, not only did it affect me professionally, like with my career, I think it obviously affected my career, but it also affected the way I lived lived my life as well, which obviously being a little bit older and a bit more experienced now, I could most probably deal with it off the pitch a little bit better, so to speak, sort of like put it to the back of my mind. But because I was a younger lad and that's all, all I ever wanted to, to do was play football. And obviously that wasn't going too well at that point. So I used to carry most probably a little bit more weight than other people with, with me being a Shrammy fan as well. So that, that first relegation out of out of League One, Danny, you're obviously massive Tramia fan. Um, you kind of live in the dream, yeah. but it's also turning into a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So what, what's that feeling like when it's confirmed that the club are, are relegated? Well, it's, honest, honestly, to this day, it's mostly one of the worst moments in my life. It's 100%. Actually, mostly... The, the worst moments in my life, the second one was actually just bad because you could, you could sort of see it coming. But yeah. the first one was, it, it was like a travesty, really. And even to this day, it's, it's, it still obviously bugs me because I like to obviously like win every game that I possibly can when I'm playing football. So, and obviously do well for myself. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of them. You, you sort of, obviously, when you talk about it, it sort of brings back a few memories and stuff like that. So, it's not a nice thing to talk about, but like I said, that's life and it is what it is. And hopefully now I can learn from those experiences, like how the club handled it, what coaches, managers handled this. So hopefully I can take that all forward with me now and use it as a positive. Yeah, definitely. That's all you can do, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, the following summer, Rob Edwards comes in as, as manager. Yeah. Untried, um, untested sort of character. He seems to be quite a quiet guy from you know listening to his interviews. What, yep. what was the what was what was he like in the dressing room to work with? You know what he's he's a fantastic coach. He was um he was obviously getting us to play in the right way, but um at that point I think Trammy just needed someone. I think I think the club was at that time was a little bit too big for him, and you could see that sometimes in the way he reacted, like maybe after games and stuff like that. He got a little bit heated sometimes. Which is obviously good because you're showing a bit of emotion. But I think I think that Tramia for for his first job where he found themselves was a massive, massive, mostly massive weight on his shoulders as well. And yeah. I just don't think he was quite quite ready for it at that point because as a coach, honestly, the training sessions stuff like that, the way he wanted us to play were second to none, but absolutely brilliant. But I think as a manager taking on that. That huge weight at that time was 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 wrong of him to take, but like he said, it's one of them that opportunity might not come round again for him. So he most probably did have to take it. Yeah, maybe a case of like right man, wrong time. Yeah, definitely. So then, obviously, he doesn't last. He doesn't last very long, which no. um, you know is kind of a, a state of football, I guess, at, at the in modern modern times. Um. Mickey Adams comes in. What yeah, what yeah. what were your first impressions when the club appointed him? Um, well, obviously he had a, a very good career as a manager. He obviously worked in the Premiership, so it's one of them. Like we spoke about with Les's pre-seasons, there was a lot of rumours going about how his training sessions went, and to be fair, he lived up to it because we we tended to run quite a lot. 
So um, I don't, I don't know. That that's obviously his opinion on how you train. But we we did an awful lot of running without the with. To be fair, we did running with the ball, but did quite a lot of running without the ball during the week, which was obviously a little bit different to what you used to after pre-season when you're going through the season. But when he first originally came in, I was obviously looking forward to working with him because he he had such a decent career behind him. But obviously, it didn't it didn't work out for him either at that point. I don't think. It would have took a absolute miracle at that point for any manager coming in to most probably turn the boat round because I think, like I said, playing with so many different players and people not re- in the end, he didn't really care about it to be honest with you. And with them not really caring about it, it was only a matter of time before before Tranmere went down again, which they did pretty quickly. And even the way the club club was run was absolute shambles. So that's that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I think it was like 51 players that were using that season. And it's, yeah. uh, as you said, it's like, it's so hard to... That's nearly three squads when you look at it, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so it must be so, so so difficult not knowing week to week who you're going to be sort of partnering up with down the right-hand side and yeah. you know, yeah. who's going to be in the team, who's not. And it was like a revolving door with players coming in and, and leaving, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, especially that season as well. I, I think I played more left back than right back that season. Honestly, a lot of the games I played were either left back or left yeah, right back. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I played sentiment one game as well, and I obviously filled in the centre back now and again as well. So I, I literally got moved all over the place, which I would do anyway for the team. That's not a problem. But obviously, if you want want to perform to the best of your ability, you want to play in the in the position that you play. So uh, it was one of them. Uh, yeah, it helped with me left foot anyway. I got, I got to use it quite a lot. Improved your left foot then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's we'll stick with that season, but a bit more of a, a positive. That game against uh, Swansea, I know we got I know we got beat and stuff, but yeah, what was it yeah. like playing in a big FA Cup tie, Premier League team, big crowd at Prenton Park? Yeah, it's been a, a a decent experience that day. Yeah, it was, it was the the main thing that sticks out for me was the amount of fans that were in the ground because even to this day, I always say to me mates and stuff like that that I think Tranmere is a bit of a sleeping giant where they find themselves, and obviously if they're doing well, the fan base would be there. There's no no doubt about that. So it's it's quite of a tough pill to swallow, really, knowing that there is fans there that could potentially help Tranmere, but. They tend to go elsewhere, but only come for the big games, which is obviously not not a very good thing if you want to try me to really kick on and succeed. So it's it's one of them. Seeing the the sta- going back to the game, seeing the stadium full was obviously fantastic and fair play to Swansea as well. I think they showed us a lot of respect because they played mainly their main team, bar for one or two younger younger players. So um, it was obviously a great experience, and it's always special to play in the FA Cup as well. So it's got that little. Little bit of a buzz. That's a little bit different to a normal league game. So, who are you coming up against in that in that in that game? I can remember one player you came up against for one reason. That's Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was um, his name's Mo Barrow. I think he's at. He ended up playing for Redden. I think he's at Redding at the moment. But um, he was like a short, like nippy winger and. Obviously, like as a fullback being one v one against someone, you tend to play quite a few mind games, and 
obviously one of them is throwing a, a nice early juicy tackling so uh, I ended up doing that and I think I was quite fortunate just to get a yellow card on the day because if you see absolutely cut him in yeah, off yeah I got, I've got the photo on my phone still now and it was like just below his knee absolute scissors so uh, yeah um, it, it was obviously good to play against good players like that so yeah, that was one that one of my uh, fonder memories doing that tackle to him. I think it took him a few uh, games to get over that. That's why he's not made it at Swansea. Yeah, Michelle, yeah, I think he ended his career at Swansea. <laughs> <laughs> well, must be sort of, uh, you know, we, we got to the third round, which to be fair, we didn't really do all that often. So it must be good, sort of just light relief and maybe the, the, the league form that. You know, obviously wasn't wasn't going too well at the time. No, it wasn't. No, it was it was it was good to obviously get a bit of a break from that playing against such a such a good team. But obviously, when when you finished the game, you knew you had bigger matters to deal with, really. And unfortunately for that season, we didn't uh, quite quite survive. And it was obviously a long hard season. And one of them is it's obviously not like I said before. It's not good to talk about it. Bringing up, obviously, opening up old wounds about it, but it's it's one of them. It's been and gone now, and obviously, Tramie finds themselves in a better state. I heard a podcast with Tank not long ago, uh, yeah. and he's saying what you're saying there about obviously like having the cup games. He said, speaking about this season, he was like, there was a few cups he's had a good little running. Um, I yeah. think like he's done well in what's now the checker trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got to the third round and that, and he said he was like. You almost left scratching your head that we're playing so well in the cups, and then yeah. when we play in the league, we're getting hammered by teams nowhere near as good as the team we've just beat in the yeah, cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think that's that's what ha- tends to happen in football when you're playing against for a lot of players because they're not really that consistent. When you play against better players, they just tend to pick up the game. So I think we, I don't know whether it was the semi-final for the north side or whatever, but. I think yeah, it was Warsaw yeah. that we played, and I think we got beat on penalties. If I'm if I'm right yeah, about yeah. that, but, um, yeah, we don't, we're doing brilliant in the cups, and even for I think it was a month to six week period where we really did we kicked up the league a little bit as well, and we we had some really good results. So it was that just, game of Portsmouth away, I think, wasn't it? That like was yeah. the negative turning point. That was on the one that took us, Yeah, that's that was the one that sort of reversed it back to going down again because I think we were winning. I think uh Genesis and Marty Williams, I think I think it was him that scored scored the goal to make us lead. And then they scored two really late soccer punch goals. So um yeah it was I think that was the one where you like it was a lot of wind got knocked out of you like as a team. So because uh, like I said, going back to that period we were, we we were doing really well. I think we won like four out of six games or something like that. Yeah. So we did turn the tide a little bit, but I think once, like you said, because I think a lot of the lads that we did have at that at that point were confidence players. So because we were doing well, obviously they were performing well. But once that little bit of a negative crept back in again, that was it. They just they just went downhill again. So uh, yeah, that that was that. I I think looking back at that season, that that result was the turning point for us to go back down again. Okay, so moving away from Tranmere and then sort of after um, your career sort of um, takes you to takes you to Files for a little bit. 
Yeah, after I went to Newport after Tramia and then Newport, I went sorry, to yeah. I went to after that I went to I had to get back home, so I went to Fylde for a little bit on a non contract basis and then I ended up signing for York for the season. What's it like? So obviously you're a Tramir fan, you've played for Tramir for a good number of years. What's it like sort of uh, you're obviously still playing professional football, but for another team, must be a bit of a strange feeling after after so many years at the team that you love. Yeah, because I, I was I was gonna stay at Tramia in in my mind. I wanted to obviously get them straight back up, so I was just obviously waiting on a on a deal then with my contract, which was obviously not up to what what I needed to basically to to survive with my house and having me car and stuff like that. So. It didn't. It didn't add up, and I was obviously bitterly disappointed by by that um, offer. But I ended up going. It, yeah, it was, it was embarrassing. Really, it was like near enough half me wage, so it, it, I I couldn't obviously accept that. So I ended up moving to Newport for for the season, which was it was a bit of a different thing for me because I I lived two minutes away from Prep Park, and then obviously I said moved down to South Wales and lived by myself, which. Which was a little bit strange at first because I had to obviously get used to it. But I've met some from that season. I met some some great lads who I'll most probably call a couple of them. I'd say do friends for life now. So uh, it wasn't all bad. And we had even at that with Newport as well. We had to be such a good team. But at the beginning of the season, a lot of them were injured. So it wasn't until like Christmas time where we had a full strength strength squad, and we really kicked on after that. So it was, it was one of them looking back at that as well. Before we had our full team for Newport, we could have done quite well, get the playoffs maybe. But yeah, it was all a learning curve. And sort of moving away from home, that is that that kind of the the toughest thing about that move. Um, yeah, because I'm 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 like a bit of a home bird. Me, I like I like all my home comforts and stuff like that. I like visiting all my family and thing, little things like that. So um, for me to move away and. Obviously, I moved. I, I obviously got a house with my wife now. When she was basically doing everything by herself, where and I was, I was stuck down there doing nothing after training and stuff like that. So um, it was a it was a big thing, big thing for me to do at that point because I've never ever done anything like that in my life before. But I think it helped me as obviously as a human being now as well. So little things that I've obviously learned over my career now, I can I can take forward with me as a person and as a coach. Yeah, was it a case of getting back as and when you could, sort of trying trying to get back once once a week to see the family and stuff? Yeah, well, I used to come back once every two weeks because the, obviously the journey's quite long and you only had one day off anyway, which was the Wednesday, and then you had to be back in then, obviously. So um, I used to get up all hours on the Thursday morning to travel down on again. So um, it was it wasn't too good in 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 that. On that aspect, but going back to the, the football side of it, I absolutely loved it. There. It was absolutely brilliant. It was, and even the fans, the fans are fantastic down at Newport. They really, uh, even through the tough times, they, they do really back in the the very partisan. So um, every, every game you get behind you, which is obviously a great thing. Is coming out as a footballer to play. Is that the main the the main reason why you why you left after that sort of season? Was you just wanted to be closer to home and stuff? Yeah, I I had a few things I I had to sort out and obviously to do a couple of things like to do with money and stuff with the family and stuff like that. So it's just one of them. You had to obviously being at home was a better better situation for me to be in. So I I had to, I had to come home. Yeah. So you go to files for a bit and then end up at York City. Yeah. 
which is obviously a big club for for the league that they were in at the time. They were in the National League. Yeah, they were in the National League. Yeah. Um, obviously a big big club at that level, and you get to the, I mean, again the league, the league didn't go that well, did it? But you reached the no. final of the FA Trophy. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was um, even when I signed at, at York. I think there's a bit of a similar situation at Tranmere. To be honest with you, they had like over thirty pros signed on, which is especially at that level is a bit mind-boggling, really. So I, I joined. I think it was January, and we ended up having a really good run because we had honestly we had a great team. We had John Park and one of my good mates, Sean Newton, who was a good player at that level as well. So. Um, it was one of them. We just did, we just didn't manage to stay up on the last day of the season, but we did so well to put ourselves in a position to do that. But we we obviously end up going to Wembley and winning the FA Trophy, which was obviously one of my fondest memories as a footballer. So uh, looking back on my time at York, it was it was a lot of positives really because when I went there, they were in such dire straits position wise that we mm-hmm. took them all the way back up to give him a little bit of a positive at the end of the season, which was obviously really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like to get to the final game of the season was an achievement in itself from where they were. Yeah. It was like, where they were, they were literally miles off it. Like, honestly, it was like, when you looked at it, you you thought, why why are you going there? But York, they are a big club and, the players that they were signing, so you knew there was a chance that you could save them, basically. So, um, obviously, going there was a bit of a no-brainer from where I was with file. So, I ended up going, obviously, going to York, and I, like I said, I've made some great friends as well from from York as well. So, it was a massive, massive positive for me going there, and obviously, the ultimate one was winning the FA Trophy at Wembley, which was every boy's dream, obviously, to play at Wembley and win a trophy. And I was lucky enough to do that. Yeah, talk us about that day, Danny. You know, play, playing at the national stadium and then obviously winning the game and, and going up the steps must be sort of a magical moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, especially when you walk out and they played the, the national anthem stuff like that. It is. It, it does send shivers down your spine. And I ended up getting cramp after. Honestly, I felt like a sniper shot me in my hamstring. I got I got cramp after like seventy five minutes, and I literally had cramp even after the final whistle. So I was literally, as I got round to the uh, the dugout, I was literally just lying on the floor because I had a cramp and I, I, I couldn't hardly see see the game. So um, when when Parky, uh, well, someone robbed his goal off him on the line, all I seen was the York fans erupt and obviously celebrate. So I knew we were free to up at that point and we were going to win the trophy. So uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, I got shot in the hamstring. I got cramp. Did that <laughs> but it, it was a bit of a New York fans erupt, get you to your feet, or did you did you stay where you were? I I, I literally stayed where I was because I was in that <laughs> much pain. I couldn't get up to celebrate, so I, I I did my celebrating after the game. Really, <laughs> did it recover enough to uh, to climb the steps though? Yeah, I, I hobbled up the steps like I, the cramp here died down a little bit since then, so uh, I managed oh, to climb up and lift the trophy. It was a bit funny looking back on that on that final because we could have Tramia got beat by Macclesfield as well, didn't he? So we could have we could have been uh, facing Tramia in, yeah, in that final. <laughs> well, obviously it's it's all ifs and buts now. But do you think that would have made it a different experience for you? 
Oh and yeah, it would. It, 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 yeah, your first win at Wembley to yeah. be against your boyhood club sort of thing. It's probably be, probably worked out better for you than it went against Tramia. Yeah, it most probably did. Yeah, but I think I, I would have loved to have played Tramia because a lot of people that I know would have been there to watch the game as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Even if we did play Tramia, I would have wanted to batter them. There's no doubt about that. I, I was playing for York at the time, and I would have wanted want to beat them to obviously win the cup for my team yeah, at that point. It's, but, um, it's for your own achievements, isn't it? Yeah. But even looking back on that season, it was obviously Tramia got to the playoff final as well. So it was a bit like even watching that game, I, I sort of thought I should be playing there with with Tramia, like so we. Oh, Obviously, it's great to see Tommy where they are are now, and I, I've honestly been fully supporting them all the way. But at at that point, I was like, I could have been playing at Wembley with Tommy there, so it was it was quite hard to see see obviously Tommy get there, and they were unfortunate to get beat to that on that on that day. I think I'm right in saying it was like three weeks, wasn't it, after the after the season had finished, the league season, yeah. the yeah. final part. How weird a kind of preparation is that? And no, we honestly we after after our season we got ten full days off where Macclesf- Macclesfield were training all the way through. So for us to not train for ten days and then just rock off to Wembley and win, I think would have been a bit cutting for them because I think a few of our players knew some of their players, so we sort of knew what what each other were doing. But we were obviously the lucky ones on the day and won the trophy. And sort of climbing those steps, obviously you've probably watched cup finals and playoff finals and whatever growing up and stuff. That must be just you know the best feeling to get your medal and lift lift the trophy. Yeah, it's, it's there's no better place to do it. Is it really? I think I think every boyhood fan would would say that Wembley is the place where you want to win a trophy. So just I, I've I've got I can say that now over the course of my whole life. So um, yeah, it's obviously one of one of the fondest memories in my football career and even the, the lads that I won it with, we, we've obviously got that bond now between us and we always talk all the time via like our WhatsApp group and stuff like that. So it, it brought us a little bit closer together as well, which was fantastic. Would you say that's probably your, your sort of best memory in football? Um, Obviously, most surely it is, yeah, because it's a trophy, isn't it? I think everyone plays football to win trophies, but I've got a couple of, obviously, amazing memories of obviously making me debut. So obviously, scoring that goal against Yeovil, which we spoke about before, was up there as well. But, um, yeah, there's there's loads of little memories, which you think, obviously, when you speak about it, it's brilliant. But I think the main one is obviously winning a trophy at Wembley, I think. You can't really top that, can you? You can ne- no one can ever take it away from you. That with the obviously with the little goals and the little things, people that may then say, "But then what after that? What after that?" But when you've won the trophy, you've you've got you've you'll have the medal in your house somewhere. Exactly, yeah. It. yeah. And you can when you're seventy, no matter what you, I won that trophy. I've I've played and won at Wembley. Exactly, yeah. Like you said, no one can take that away from me. And you've. You've got obviously a medal and like photos and stuff like that to show for it as well, which is obviously fantastic. So it's obviously one where you can tell the grandkids about, it, isn't it? So uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah but uh, like I said, it's it was an amazing feeling and my fondest memory really in football. And so we're we're talking like um, like you've stopped playing. You're still playing, aren't you? 
Yeah, I'm still yeah, still cracking on. Yeah, I think could still do a job now in the football league. What I decided to uh, go down the potion route as well. But uh, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it was a bit of a funny one with obviously the way football was going. Like I, I'm quite stubborn in a way, and I like people to treat me the way I think I should be treated. So I got a little bit fed up with it all, to be honest with you, and decided to uh, obviously still play and open up um, my coaching side of things, which is elite player development. So that's been going fantastic. And it's obviously get, gave me a lot of satisfaction from doing that as well. So yeah. that's where I see me, me future heading towards after I finish playing then, is either being a coach or, or a manager. Do you think we'll where about... a lot of people in, you often hear pros, like some of them will end up then, go, they'll go from full-time pro to like cold turkey, nothing. Yeah. And really, really struggle. Yeah. Where I'm guessing you you're not training full time at the minute, are you like five days a week or? Yeah, we we we're full time as well. Oh, so is it I still full time? Yeah, I thought I didn't realize it was. I was going to say, obviously, if you then went from playing full time to coaching and playing part time, but obviously now no, it's full time. Yeah, and then like sort of like ease your way out of football. Yeah. Obviously, you with with having elite EPD up and running. Yeah. Obviously, that will make. I'm, I'm guessing will make your life a lot easier when that sad day comes, where you do then have to retire. That you've got your coaching to sort of occupy you, and it's still football. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I honestly couldn't picture myself doing anything else. So I, I, I knew I had to start something which would then help me when I, when I obviously finished playing football, and I've obviously got that in place now with EPD. So that's obviously brilliant. And I obviously my bigger goal is to be a be a manager. So it, it's helping me with me coaching badges. I can obviously put on sessions, trial like obviously trial and error with all the kids that I work with, which is obviously brilliant. So um yeah, honestly it's gave me so much satisfaction starting it up and even it's it's like putting putting the cause even with Trammy's Academy going down now, I I, I thought was, there's so much talent on the whittle. It's just a shame if if no no one was to do anything with that talent. So, like now we've we've got like kids into clubs like at Man City, Preston, and places like that. So, even though Trammy haven't got a youth set up now, we're still helping them and giving them that platform to hopefully kick on and get into a professional setup. Yeah, definitely. And as I say, where you're saying, obviously you're really satisfied with how it's going. Yeah, obviously, yeah. living on the Whittle, and obviously Paul's the same. Yeah, it's everywhere. Like it's, I see, like the EPD kid. There, where there's people who like who I'll have on Instagram and Facebook and things, and then I'll see. I, I, I've never known that their kids would have even played football, and then yeah. next thing they're putting pictures up of their kids in the EPD yeah. and things like that. It's, it, it has really all blew up in the last twelve months, eighteen months. Yeah, it's a, obviously. It's, it has blew up, to be fair. We've obviously we got sponsored by Puma and even Pearsall have sponsored us as well, which is obviously really good because it shows we're doing we're doing fantastic work. We've all we've got a great set of coaches as well, which it's very, very, very professional, you know what I mean? It's like basically just underneath academy. So if if you're not getting into an academy, we're the next best thing and we're we're obviously delivering that with all all our sessions and even the coaches that we've got working for us. So it's very, very rewarding to obviously do that because when I started it up, I basically started up by doing one-to-ones. That's how I got to know people. So at first, it most probably was my name that sort of 
made it what it is today. But now it's it's like its own identity. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, EBT. Definitely. It's 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 like nothing to do with me in a sense where I don't have to put my name to it. It's it's got its own name, Up and Lights, which is obviously very very rewarding because it shows how much hard work we put into it, and it's obviously going really really well. Yeah, definitely. There's this um, isolation, a big worry for you. Uh, yeah it obviously doesn't help because it's at the end of the day it is my livelihood as well you know what I mean this is obviously you've got to pay for for the time because I'm putting so much effort in yeah of course it's it's my business you know what I mean so obviously with the isolation it's, it's not ideal but I'm still keeping in contact with everyone like I said before we're doing all little drills and stuff like stuff like that and um after this, I'm doing an Instagram live video as well, where people I can get to talk to all the players that I haven't seen in in quite a while because you do build up bonds with all the players and even the parents as well. And we've got we call it the EPD family, and everyone honestly, everyone's fantastic. So to not to not see them is obviously quite a big thing as well because we spend so much so much time together. So yeah, it, I, like I said, I don't like to sit still anyway. So. Being in this isolation is not it's not the best sport. It's obviously for it's a bigger cause than football and we all need to stay yeah, safe. Yeah, of course. I'm glad that you've um, you've said you're putting your drills online. I've got a team I've got an open age team myself, haven't I? So yeah. I'll be it's for everyone, honestly. It's, only... it's for all ages. I, I don't care if it's for five to twelve year olds, half my lads can't kick the ball straight, so I'll be getting them to do the drills in the back garden <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah, because we like to say to us, because at first when we started it up, you know what, you know what parents like when they go and watch the kids, they scream, all sorts, and then with a few of them, they, they tend to suffer with the confidence, and m- most of the time it's because the parents are shouting. So obviously, once you you teach them on that, the kids flourish. Then you know what I mean. And one of yeah, the things yeah. you say is, if if you're gonna like basically have a go, save for them shooting, shooting, so to speak. So if they take a shot and you're saying it's not good enough, why don't you have a go at it and, and see how good you are at it before you're then criticising your kid? So uh, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the parents are, are, are took that on board now, and they're the fantastic. They don't they don't shout during sessions or nothing now. So we've uh, I think we've uh, planted the seed. They've chosen you've trained, to, you've trained they've chosen not to shout rather than have a go. What's that, sorry? So they've they've decided not to shout instead of having to go themselves. Yeah, exactly. Because even <laughs> even what you see over grassroots football, you see a lot of parents having to go with the coaches, and most of the coaches are volunteers. So you, you say to yourself, well, if if you're that good at it and you're going to moan about it, why don't you have a go with coaching then? See how see how hard it is. Because yeah. honestly, yeah. most people that are volunteering. They've just finished work and they're just rocking up just to take the session because maybe the son or the daughter is playing for that team. So and it, it is hard to plan a session and execute it properly. So for people then to moan at someone for having a go at it is it's 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 disrespectful and mind boggling really. What kind of yeah, coaches are you working with them? What's that, sorry? What kind of coaches are you working with? Are you sort of using your contacts that you've built up through your, your, your football, your pro career and stuff? Or Yeah, it, well, obviously with Tramies Academy going, we, I, I, I worked at Tramies Academy working with the under-9s and the under-13s at the time. So 
I, I took a couple of the coaches over with me who one of them I've known all my life as well anyway, but everyone's like you wait at least you wait for be qualified, which is a really good qualification to have. And obviously the kids are benefiting benefiting from that because you can see the results that we're having against academy teams and the players that are going on to sign for professional clubs. So um it's working really well and the model that we have got in place is, is really good. So um I'm really proud of it and it's going really well. Nice little plug for EPD. Yeah, nice that, yeah. <laughs> so if, if if there's any parents out there listening, how how do you kids get involved with this? Yeah, basically you just gotta contact me via social media and everything everything that I've done, I haven't really advertised for it because um it's all been word of mouth because I think everyone can see the effort that we're putting in and, and the good jobs that all of us coaches are doing there. So um yeah, we've um and and like all the like facilities that we've got and stuff like that are really top notch as well. So um, we're trying to be as professional as we can be, and and we're we're really trying to take it forward and hit new heights with it moving into next season when this isolation's all all been and done. Good stuff, good stuff. And you obviously mentioned at the beginning that you wanted to move into coaching and management maybe in the in the future. Any sort yeah. of um, coaches and managers that you've worked with in the past that you kind of take little bits of sort of inspiration or advice from and stuff? Uh, it, it, the main inspiration most probably came from some of the players that I played with, like when we spoke about Chris Greenacre, how how like he used to talk to me about all this experience and stuff like that. But even all the negatives that I've had, especially at Tramia, I can now use that as a positive on how not to do things when hopefully I become a manager. So even the negatives now, I can take that into into a positive with me being as being a manager. But I think overall, as being a manager, it's how you deal with, deal with people and how you motivate people. All footballers are half decent, otherwise they wouldn't be there. So it's how you make them feel and you want you you want to build them up and make them feel a million dollars because then in turn they'll perform on the pitch for you so i think what i've learned massively over it is how how you treat people yeah and uh, uh, connor's key at the moment you is it andy morrison still the manager yeah. there yeah uh, he was a bit of a a beast on the football yeah. pitch still is now like, what's he like as a manager is he kind of the arm around the shoulder type he, he, he's a bit of everything really he's got he's obviously very very passionate about football and he'll do he'll literally do anything for you so if you say listen Gaffer I've got a problem blah 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 he'll be there he'll, he'll do anything for you to help you but going back to the football side he's very motivating he knows how to get the best out of you and yeah. he's very tactically switched on as well and you know exactly what you need to do on the pitch when you go on there so I think he's got a very bright future as a manager moving forward because He's a top top felon and a top top manager. You've had a fair bit of success there. Yeah, he has. He's transformed. And to be fair, I think they were like yo yo and like getting relegated and then getting promoted. But he's turned he's turned the club into a European outfit. Really, he's getting them into Europe every season. And at the minute, we're four points ahead of TNS in the league going into the last six six games of the season. So he's obviously done a fantastic job. And it was talk from getting the. Uh, Wrexham job the other month, so that just goes to show how good of a job he has been doing. Right. Um, 
put some questions out on Twitter. Or, yeah. um, so ask some fans um, if they wanted to uh, send in some questions. So if you don't mind, before we uh, before we knock it off, yeah, quite uh, yeah. we'll go through some questions if that's all right, Danny. That's fine. Um, we brushed on this before, but Gra- uh, Graham asks, just how good was that 2012-13 League One team? Oh, it was, it was, like I said before, it was the best team I've ever played in. We were uh, all great mates on and off the pitch. We used to obviously do stuff together away from football. And then on the pitch, we used to have each other's backs and die for each other. So it was a special team to be a part of and one I always look back fondly on. OK, Martin Travis has been stalking you, by the way. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. <laughs> What what? Um, so you're walking the dogs. What dogs have you got, Dan? I've got a. He's a sprocket, so he's a half springer, half cocker. But yeah, what I tend to walk from mine down the fender through the woodshed to see my family, and then back over the flyover. So he must he must be hiding in the bush somewhere. If he keeps seeing me <laughs> on the flyover. Is that some of this kind of uh, that you enjoy doing, sort of taking the dogs out and stuff? Yeah, I love taking dogs. I've I've always had dogs all the way through my life, so yeah. yeah, I love getting out for a walk with him. And he, to be honest, he needs it as well. He's he's very high, he's very energetic, like so. He needs to go out for a big walk as well. Uh, question from Click Clicks B: uh, Do you think the Tranmere Academy will be brought back at any stage? Um, I'd like to think so, but I, I'm not the man to ask for that. But if they were to start it all up again. I think there's only one man that should uh, run the academy and I think you're talking to him now. Here's <laughs> <laughs> me thinking you were just about to, uh, you know, put some somebody else's name up in lights. <laughs> no, I think what we've got in place, it's, you know, if, if it ever was to come back, we've I've got all the players and even the coaches to, to make it work, but I'm, I'm not the man who dictates that, am I? It's obviously Mr. Palios, the chairman. Is that a job you'd love to do, though? Yeah, because I, I, someone I'm massively passionate about. So I, I've, I've been through the system and I've seen a lot of players who were talented enough get overlooked. And I, I don't like to do that. I like to give everyone a fair crack of the whip. So if I believe if we did, especially with the group of players we've got at EPD at the moment, we could definitely, definitely bring bring it back to Tramie, but I don't make these these decisions, so I'll just keep working on on what I'm doing. Uh, Ryan Galloway asks, um, "Was the rumor true that Celtic and Rangers were after you?" Apparently, apparently well, at that time, I, 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 because I've had a bit of bad experiences with uh, agents, I was sort of debating whether to have one or not. Apparently, Rangers sort of inquired whether that was true or not I'm not 100% sure but once Rangers are interested in you or vice versa the other club is interested in you that's the way it works up in Scotland apparently but um, I think it was a slight one but they obviously didn't follow up on that Okay um, Martin Darko wants to know about your sending off at crew what was going on there two yellows could have been sent off twice. I don't remember this. Yeah, I honestly, I, 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 I used to look back at obviously the clips on a on a Saturday night. I used to put them up on Sky, and I, I thought I was har- harshly done by. I don't think it was. I don't know where he's getting the two red cards from because 
the second one, we just like brushed against each other and the lads fell to the floor, but he was obviously just playing the game because that's the way I played football. I play it sort of on the edge a little bit. So yeah. I, I think it was, a, it, was, it was a very harsh sending off. And if you look back at the clips, that, that would back it up because I, I did watch the clip back. I, I don't remember that one, that game particularly. But, He's uh, in the first half. I got sent off in the first half, basically. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Um, here's a good one from Paul B88. Um, so you're in the uh, in the tent before the game. Yeah. What's your tipple of choice? Is it a trapper's hat, a big <laughs> beat, a gamma ray, or a Paulina? Um, I, I don't know the names of them all, but it, it has to be a cider, to be honest. I, I'm not a cider. big lager fan, so I like a little cider now and again. Nice. So whatever cider they have in the tent, I'll have one of them. Good and stuff. he can find me one next time he sees me. Yeah, yeah. So there we go, Ryan. <laughs> uh, or Paul, was it? Yeah, Paul. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you one of those. Uh, where are we? Uh, Cambo asks, did you get a nosebleed when you scored that goal against Yeovil? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know what I was thinking about. Yeah, I, I'm not usually that far off. I'm, I'm especially not usually in the, the opposition's box. But <laughs> yeah, I think it was a bit of rush of blood to the head rather than out my nose. Oh, maybe that helped. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> right, Sam Page asks, um, was it a cross or a shot against Crawley? Oh, it was definitely a cross, but uh, <laughs> it crept in anyway. It's one of those. Well, it goes in the top corner, it doesn't matter. Uh, exactly, it's a goal, isn't it? So whether it's a cross or a shot, it still get classed as a Danny Holmes goal. So, <laughs> yeah, and you, Jake Cassidy, was in the box and... What we tried to do at that point was get the throwing back to me as quick as possible to get across him because he was obviously on fire that season. And I think it did end up going to him, but he jumped over it instead of touching it and it ended up creeping into the bottom corner, which was obviously nice for me. Okay, Millsy asks, how did it compare playing for other league clubs away from Tramia? Uh, obviously, it's, it's not the same because Tramia is my club. So, uh, but going to, going to Newport was obviously a really good thing at the time for me, and I, I loved it there as well. But playing for your hometown club is there's no feeling in the world that could beat that. So, um, it was quite strange, especially when I played against Tramia for York as well. That was a weird, weird feeling not putting on the white kit, but yeah, it was playing for Tramia was obviously a special moment every time I walked onto the pitch. So, it was a little bit strange. Right, if we could just finish quickly, just talking about the the current Tranmere team. Yeah. Did you manage to have you managed to see Rovers any uh, much in the, the last? Yeah, I've seen quite season? a few games. Yeah, I've seen about four or five. What What are your thoughts? Obviously, we're currently in the re, in the relegation zone, but last three yeah. last three games we've won, so that's that's obviously positive. Yeah. Um, it's been a rapid rise back up to up to League One. Mickey and the and the lads are doing really well. What what's your take on things? Uh, well, I think lo- losing James Norwood was obviously a massive massive thing for them. And to be fair to Ferrio, when I the games I've been been to watch, he's been very very good. And I think he's been a, a bit isolated at times. But I think that's been addressed, especially in the uh, January transfer window where they've got James Vaughan in. I think uh, that Blacker Taylor's playing a little bit better because when I first seen him, I thought he was fantastic. And then the next game, he wasn't so good. So if he, if he stays consistent, we've got a strong back line now with Peter Clark and Mark Ellis as well. So um, 
they've got all the foundations there to uh, keep keep adding to those positive results and stay up. Because I think at the beginning of the season, staying up had to be the main aim. If if they started being a bit of a yo-yo club, like say Betty, you tended to go from League One back to League Two. That's mm. not what you want to do. You want to you want to cement your place and hopefully kick on from there. So staying up would be a massive achievement for them. I'm just thinking, racking my brains. I'm guessing Liam Rydal is just probably the only player that's still at the club that you would have yeah. played with. You still keep in touch with Rad? Um, I've texted him, I think, once or twice since I've left. So I don't really keep in contact with, with him now. But it's um, it's good to see him uh, still playing for Trammy as well. And hopefully he keeps uh, putting in the performances in from now until the end of the season to keep us up. And so... Obviously, uh, what 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 are your thoughts about the? Obviously, we're in lockdown at the minute. No football yeah. going on. What what's yeah. going to happen with the season? Do you think? Uh, well, I think if you're gonna t- if you're gonna avoid it, it'll be a travesty really for for everyone that's involved in football. So I think you've got to finish it somehow. Whether whether that's well, wh- whenever we get out of this isolation, you don't know. So we just got to wait and see for that. But. Even if it affects next season, it's it's got to be done. You've got to finish the season because I think sponsorships and stuff like that needs to be fulfilled as well for money purposes. So it's one of them. I I, I just can't see it being voided. It's got to it's got to be finished in my eyes. Yeah, good stuff. And you guys are top of the league, right? Yeah, we're four points clear. So if you want to avoid it and we just win the trophy, that's fine. Then I can get the uh, the winning bonus then. Yeah, and your medal and the trophy and yeah. stuff. <laughs> nah, but I think I think especially our season, we could cram ours in in three weeks. So I can't see it really being a problem for, for our league. Yeah, you've only got what six games left, did you say? Six games, yeah. So we could do Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for three weeks, couldn't we? Really? Yeah. Right, Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really, nah, I've enjoyed your time on this. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning, so appreciate you getting up and uh, and having a chat with us. It's been really good. Yeah, no worries, mate. I've got nothing else to do, so it's been good. Yeah, <laughs> gives us something to do for an hour and a half. Got to find something yeah. for the rest of the day. Yeah, they're probably painting the wall. That's all I've done, but since I've finished painting walls. <laughs> uh, so yeah, enjoy you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your uh, your Instagram with your players. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, and take uh, easy, yeah, lads. take it easy, mate. Take care. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Cheers Danny.